0: Hello everyone. Welcome back to Escape from San Francisco podcast. Uh, today I have an MLB reporter uh, who covers the San Francisco Giants for the Bay Area News Sports Group. Um, he's someone uh, that I read his articles on uh, the Mercury News. Uh, someone that's you know very up to date with the Giants. Someone that has really great uh, baseball insight and knowledge. Um, he's also the creator of Your Future in Sports Writing uh, Reporter. Um, you can follow him on Twitter and on Instagram. Uh, for your latest Giants news and updates. Hello, uh, Kerry, how's it going?
1: Fantastic. Thanks so much for having me, Aaron. I really appreciate it, and I really appreciate the kind introduction.
0: I know. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. Uh, I was was looking forward to this uh, all week. Um, What I want to ask is, how did you get started into sports journalism?
1: So it actually dates back to my early days playing sports in San Francisco, which is not a place that, even despite our huge population, is not a place that's known for producing a ton of professional athletes. And I was, you know, in love with baseball, football, basketball growing up, and I really wanted to find a way to get involved. And I quickly realized that uh, if I wasn't measuring up from a talent standpoint to the other athletes in San Francisco, uh, I wasn't going to measure up professionally. And so I had to find another avenue to get involved and. I always found that uh, sports broadcasters and sports writers produced the kind of content that I loved. I devoured it on the weekends. And so I just felt like uh, if I could find a way to contribute to the sports world through creating content, creating stories and storytelling, uh, that's the way that I wanted to do it.
0: Nice. How how long have you been a sports journalist? Uh,
1: I, on my resume, put 11 years uh, because I started, um, I had my first paid gig back in high school as a public address announcer. But outside of college, this will be my fifth season covering the San Francisco Giants. And I've been doing it for six years professionally. Six
0: years for a while. That's, that's a great time. I mean, you're barely getting started. You're barely uh, scratching the surface. I know sports writers <laughs> or sports journalists go for 20, 30 years. We just had one retire recently. I forget his name, but he was a great uh, sports journalist for the, for the Bay Area and for the San Francisco
1: Giants. Um, oh, yeah. Henry Shulman, my mentor, yeah. the, the, the best. The absolute best yeah. to do it, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, he was great. He was uh, he was a uh, had on Twitter. He was just really good at what he you know wrote and stuff. He was really good at like comebacks and everything. So I do Absolutely. like uh, what he had to say. Um, you also created a course um, for sports journalists or for people to get into it. Um, can you elaborate a little bit more about that?
1: Yeah, so I created a course called Your Future in Sports Writing back in April and May of 2020, and I did it when I was furloughed from the Bay Area News Group, and so. Thought I could use the time to kind of give back to a sports writing community that's given me so much. And I always felt like there were so many lessons that I wanted to learn in in both high school and college about sports journalism that I didn't get to learn until I was actually sitting in the press box. And so I created a course. You can find it on teachable.com. It's called Your Future in Sports Writing, collaborated with over 25 different journalists who I really admire all of them. And they all give such interesting perspectives, such fantastic uh, lessons, and uh, it, it's really kind of a one-of-a-kind course at this point, point. and so I'm uh, I'm thrilled that I've been able to create it, thrilled with the reaction from students, and I, I really hope that it helps people.
0: Uh, I wanted to, to tell you the truth. I wanted to be a sports journalist when I first went to college, and I realized I don't really like writing that much. <laughs> I, I like talking. I try to go into um, athletic training, and I realized I don't like taping people's feet, and I was yep. just like, all right, I changed. But maybe if this was available at the time, I probably would have had a different outlook on it. But I appreciate you, you have this available for people out there, young and old, those though, who you know might want a career change or might, they, they love sports, they might want to get into it. It's something they can look into. That's definitely uh, what caught my attention and might be able to... You know have a future of new sports writers here in the mm-hmm. bay area i know during the pandemic it's been rough for everyone it's mm-hmm. been a tough time but i'm glad that you used this opportunity to you know start a, a, a new adventure where other people could benefit from so
1: yeah I, I think that uh what what you said is is important in kind of guiding how i created the course it, i thought about all the people who haven't had the chance to get into the industry yet, but might want to get into the industry and all the people who can't necessarily afford to go to college, but want to learn about different topics that you might learn at, you know, a standard journalism school or a community college where they're teaching journalism courses. And so I kind of wanted to make those lessons accessible to a lot of people and give them a taste to see if, uh, you know, if you like this course, then maybe the career is for you. And I think that it's so fun to see the reaction and to hear from students who uh, didn't necessarily major in journalism in college or haven't necessarily even gotten to college. They're just in high school considering a career, uh, but they've all found that there's been useful lessons from the course.
0: So where did you graduate um, for sports journalism in college?
1: Uh, Arizona State University, yeah. So Walter Cronkite School of Journalism and Mass Communication.
0: Oh, they produce a lot of great journalists out of there. A lot of great athletes as well. Yeah, a lot
1: of a lot of great on both sides. We're lucky that uh, that the great sports information directors there allow uh, the journalists to cover the great programs there.
0: Yeah, that's great. Um, I do want to move on to uh, move on to the Giants. Uh, you are currently in, in Scottsdale, Arizona, mm-hmm. yeah.
1: Um Walking how- back from the stadium to my hotel right now. How was the first day? Uh, really interesting. And so we weren't actually able to get inside the stadium and watch much, but I kind of uh, checked out the situation, saw from the outside what I'll be getting into on Monday, and uh, you know, a big eventful day for the Giants, welcoming a lot of players, pitchers, and catchers to spring training. Seemed like a really productive workout, and uh, so you know, this is always the best time of year for every baseball team. Aaron, I think that. Uh, you know, there's so much times in sports where people want to be negative. There's so many times in sports where people get down because the team's record's down. But the first day of spring training, it's impossible not for everyone to be optimistic at that point.
0: I'm happy. I know I know. Uh, MLB put out something about the person percentage chance of, of uh, teams making the playoffs yeah. or win the series, and I know Giants came in like eight percent but eight percent eight percent I'm excited I'm <laughs> ready
1: to go those those same projections have the Baltimore Orioles at 0.0 percent <laughs> so I mean there's there's 29 out of 30 teams that are starting the season with some hope yeah.
0: that that was really messed up I feel bad for all the, <laughs> the Oriole fans but um what do you think of the offseason for not only the Giants, but just the NL West in, in total? I know San Diego and LA had big off seasons, whereas even the Rockies did, but not in the positive way. To me, it seemed like, I don't know what the heck they're doing. But.
1: Yeah, kind of a loaded question when you want to talk about the National League West and everything that went down during the offseason. I guess I'll start with the Giants. and I think they made some solid moves that suggested that they were uh, you know, building toward a more successful future. I don't know that the success that they want to have is going to come in 2021 as a result of some of these moves. But they've put themselves in an interesting position to acquire players who might have the opportunity to be a part of the future core. They're trying some guys on one-year deals, particularly with a pitching staff who might pan out, and that could be interesting. But when you look around the rest of the National League West, it's just going to be so difficult for this team to compete at the top of the division. You're talking about a a Dodgers team coming off a world series win that just signed the best free agent in baseball, Trevor Bauer, national league Cy Young award winner. You're talking about a Padres team that picked up the Cy Young runner up and you Darvish. And then the 2018 American league Cy Young award winner and Blake Snell. And so uh, those two teams are juggernauts. They're loaded. We talk about the projections, both anticipated to finish with above 95 wins this season. So the Giants got to play 38 games against those two teams. If they can fare well against the Rockies and the D-backs, they'll have a chance to at least stay competitive in the National League West. If not, it's going to be a really difficult year.
0: Uh, tell me about it. I, I forgot about the Diamondbacks. That's how milk toast. <laughs> I, I feel about their chances this year as well. I, I mean, it's, it's kind of rough seeing uh, uh, and kind of makes you not feel hopeful when you hear uh, and see what the Dodgers and Padres have done. But at the same time, it's, when you're playing within your division, Giants always play tough. Mm-hmm. Um, they always find a way to scrap it out. So, so are the Rockies and so are the Diamondbacks. So, I mean, it, most likely it's going to be the top two teams are going to be Dodgers and the Padres. But I, to me, I'm always optimistic about the Giants. I know they have a fighting chance. If they're playing in their stadium and they made the ball back to where it used to be and they deadened it a little bit, it's not, the ball is going to be a little bit different than, than it was last year. That's for sure. Yeah, I
1: think you make a really compelling point there in talking about Oracle Park and the way that the Giants are almost built to play in Oracle Park. You look at this roster of hitters against right-handed pitching. I think Tommy Lastella, uh Mikey Stremski, Brandon Belt, and Alex Dickerson, those four guys are really tough outs on right-handed pitchers. And so I think that... When you consider that, when you consider that 81 games are played inside Oracle Park, you mentioned that the Giants have always played within the division very tough. I think even though the Dodgers have won the last eight NL West titles, the Giants are close to being five hundred against them over the past seven years. And so uh, there are so many different factors at play, and if they can win their games against the NL Central and the NL East, they're going to be in a good position come uh, August and September.
0: One thing I wish is they would have kept a DH for the for the National League. I mean, I'm a baseball periodist. I do I, – didn't like the, you know, the D.H. rule. Um, I didn't like the D.H. rule when it started last year, but then as the season progressed, I was like, why have we haven't we had the D.H. before? It just it so much better for me, enjoyable, at least for as a fan. Yeah, I'm,
1: I'm very much like you. I always thought that, you know, the National League's better off without the designated hitter. I like the difference in between the two leagues. I always enjoyed watching like someone like Madison Bumgarner come to the plate and make things interesting against an opposing pitcher. There were other pitchers I really love to watch hit. Max Scherzer, Zach Granke. And then there's a lot of pitchers that I really don't want to watch hit. And I realized last season, it's so much better of a game when the DH is in play at all times. So come 2022, I'm optimistic it'll be around for the whole league. The owners want it, the players want it. Uh, But yeah, I I just think that uh, the Giants are one of the teams that are a little bit hurt by that because I think they were planning for a DH this year.
0: Yeah, all reports um, stated that you know they're hoping it was going that way, and they're I think they're mo- uh, modeling like their free agency that mm-hmm. way. If, if it would have had itched, then maybe we would have saw something different. Um, but I did like their, their acquisitions that they did pick up. I just saw that they just picked up Aaron Sanchez, mm-hmm. which he has a, a nasty sinker, high velocity type pitcher, depending on where he's going to be um, at, if, like, you know, open or whether they're going to allow him to start, depending on what he. I mean, he's coming off shoulder shoulder surgery, still like. Uh, or shoulder injury, so it depends on on the role he has with the team. But I, I like that they brought Kevin Gosman back. Um, how do you see the rotation going for the season? Yeah,
1: man, it's a boomer bust rotation. There's no question that there's a lot of really high upside guys, and gossman and Sanchez, and even Anthony DiSclafani, and Alex Wood. But it could combust in a hurry if some of these guys aren't healthy. If the Giants don't have the adequate amount of depth at the beginning of the season, and so I think that. Ultimately, if they can get something like 160 innings out of Kevin Gossman, maybe 120 out of Dee Sclafani and Alex Wood, and 90 to 100 out of Aaron Sanchez, they're going to be in a position where they're covering a lot fewer innings with the likes of Logan Webb, maybe Caleb Barriger and prospects who are coming up, such as Sean Jelly and Tristan Beck. And I think if that's the case it will end up going well for the Giants. I think if those pitchers fall short of those benchmarks, it could be a really tough year for this coaching staff and this front office because they are still struggling to kind of piece things together in terms of depth.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I, think the Giants are going to go as far as their starting pitchers take them. Um, their offense was pretty good last year. It was really decent in some spurts of the season. Um, I think their offense can continue to be decent. I don't think they're going to be top tier, but they're going to be decent enough to win games. But if their starting pitching can be a little bit above average or average, they have a decent chance to win games. But they might not compete for the division, but they'll put they be in a position where they might get – lucky and hit a hot streak and might battle for one of the wild card positions. That's how I see it playing out. Yeah. And
1: and I think that seeing steady signs of progress when you're in a long-term rebuild, like the giants are is really important. And so you hit on a good point there. You know, this team went 77 and 85 in 2019 and then 29 and 30, last year. So naturally you're thinking you got to hit 500. You got to be in wildcard contention and probably sneak into that second wild card spot to show signs of progress. So what does that look like? At least 82 wins, probably something closer to 85 wins and the projections have them falling well short of that, but there are different scenarios and we've discussed them where, you know, if pitching pans out and this lineup once again produces like a top 10 to top 12 offense in the league, uh, things could go their way, particularly in games outside of their own division.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I do think that they'll be there. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you as well is what do you think about Posey my calling it quits at the end of the season? I saw that going up. I believe you wrote that article about it. Uh, I don't um,
1: I don't know that uh, he would call it quits, but I think that, uh, you know, his contract is coming up and there's going to be a situation where the Giants are going to want to take a longer look at Joey Bart. And a lot of it depends on what kind of a role buster Posey wants moving forward in his career. Would he be okay being a part-time catcher in San Francisco and kind of sharing the load with joey bart or does he still want to be a full-time starter does he still believe that he can go help a team that's in better position to contend for a playoff spot immediately and so i think that a lot of this will come down to what buster posey values at the end of uh, his 2021 season and a lot of it will also come down to what farhan zaidi and uh, gabe kapler value at the end of the 2021 season
0: and posey deserves it he's been a great giant not only on the field and during the world series runs, but also in the community he's done a lot um you know Help with the children's hospitals. Um, he, he's a, a good person overall, and I wish him, you know, the best. Uh, whatever whatever choice he makes, I mean, he deserves it, and he earned it. Um, as far as uh, Giants going forward, I do see they have a, a nucleus of young talent in the farm system that I'm very excited about. Yeah. Helio Ramos, um, the shortstop. Uh, I see uh, Joey Bart. Even then, like he hasn't tapped into his potential yet at all. They still have like a, a good uh, core of young players that are coming up. Do you know of any young core players um, on the other side uh, as far as pitchers that might be on the lookout? Yeah, there's
1: four pitchers who are you know, highly touted prospects in the eyes of Giants uh, minor league evaluators uh, who may not be as highly touted on the outside. Uh, but who the Giants really believe in, and they all earned invitations to Major League Spring Training this year, and that's Sean Jelly, uh, 2018 second-round draft pick out of Kentucky, Tristan Beck, former Braves farmhand who was acquired in the Mark Melanson deal, Kai Tang, a native of Taiwan who was acquired at the 2019 trade deadline, uh, in the deal that also brought Jalen Davis to San Francisco. And then Matt Frisbee, uh, who was a 15th-round draft pick in 2018 out of UNC Greensboro, but uh, kind of had a really impressive uh, season in 2019 with the San Jose Giants. And they're pushing all four of those guys, and at some point, Aaron, at least one or two of them are going to have to contribute in the 2021 season. And so you are going to get your eyes on these Giants starting pitching prospects. And way down the pipeline, it may take another year or two, but they're really excited about what left-hander Seth Corey, uh, a high school pick in 2017, third round, uh, can offer this team eventually in the rotation.
0: thank you. I appreciate that, and I want to thank you once again for coming on and you know sharing your time. You know, you didn't have to do this, uh, but you, you you know you came on, and and I appreciate you for this. Uh, before we wrap it up, I one last thing I want to ask is, how do you see the Giants doing this season uh, overall? Um, how do you see? Um, the season playing out for them. And uh, what do you think um, as far as the league is going um, with uh, attendance, uh, people coming to the stadium? I know that's two questions, two parts, but I know that you don't have control over people coming to the games. Mm-hmm. Uh, but do you, know, you have any insight? I know Scottsdale is allowing um, season ticket holders to go to the games there. Mm-hmm. But as far as the games here, I don't know if they have a realistic plan uh, going forward. They've
1: definitely got a plan as far as fans are concerned, and they're very excited about that plan, a safe plan where you know everyone would be in face masks and seats would be sold in pods and it would definitely be a reduced capacity at the ballpark for 2021, but it is out of the hands of the San Francisco Giants and Major League Baseball, and in terms of hosting fans at Oracle Park, it is in the hands of the San Francisco Department of Public Health and uh, Governor Gavin Newsom and uh, everyone at those levels of, uh, of things. So they're presenting their plans and their hope is that more vaccines will get out so that, uh, you know, we can finally reach a point where we can uh, enter less restrictive tiers and have safer activities. And their hope is that They'll be watching winning baseball in the end of the summer at Oracle Park. And you know, to answer the first part of your question, uh, I, I go back and forth on how I want to make my preseason projection for the Giants. Do I want to say eighty-two and eighty, or do I want to say uh, seventy-nine and eighty-three, something like that? I'm I'm very torn over. Uh, Whether projecting them with a winning record or slightly under 500. And uh, the first day of spring, it's always easier to be optimistic. And so if you, you know, you force me to choose, I'd probably choose the optimistic one. But uh, we'll see as spring rolls on. We'll see how these pitchers look in spring training games. And uh, I'll I'll probably come back to you with a better answer for that at the end of the spring, Aaron.
0: I appreciate you. Uh, Thank you for coming on. Of course. Um, I look forward to listening this weekend with Marty Lurie. I believe it's Saturday. Saturday, 10 a.m. on
1: KMBR. Yes, sir you're all right Thank you. all right thanks Aaron Appreciate it logic you bust I think you see you mean now you just mirage it I'm gonna I'm gonna
0: like a semi automatic That's split your quick with nervousism to let him have it I blast it any style that you come at me with I master I motherfuckers, that I'm out on you bastards psych I'm just playing with y'all
1: yeah you know I had to keep it going kid that blow my.